Bergman here, tax attorney and founder of IRA Financial. And on today's AdBits, UBTI, self-directed IRA versus solo 401k. Really want to do today's podcast, um, decide to tape it. I think I'm going to do a uh, kind of a different format. Uh, a lot of people have asked me to tape the podcast as well. So if you're watching on YouTube, you can look at my face, hopefully. <laughs> um that doesn't turn you off, or you can um, just listen without the visual, your call. But um, I wanted to do kind of a recap on this because uh, I'm getting a lot of questions from investors using an IRA or 401k or deciding between an IRA or 401k and having questions about this four-letter word called UBIT or UBTI, Unrelated Business Taxable Income also known as unrelated business income tax. And wanted to kind of give a overview of what it is, how it could come in and rear its ugly head in an IRA or 401k investment, and then some ways to potentially navigate the rules. So let me start all the way at the beginning. Essentially in the 1950s, the unrelated business taxable income rules were put into law by Congress because they were worried that companies like McDonald's were going to run their businesses as charities and never pay tax. So they create these rules found in section 511, 12, 13, and ultimately 514 in the Internal Revenue Code that basically said, hey, if you're a tax exempt, a charity, and you have unrelated activity, meaning you are a um, hospital and you're selling cars, or you're selling uh, flowers, that's unrelated to your exempt purpose. And we're gonna tax that income as business income because why should you have an advantage over businesses that have to pay income tax? And those rules uh, have been around, as I mentioned, since the 50s, charities are well aware of them. Uh, however, when IRAs or 401ks were, well, essentially IRAs created uh, by, in, by ERISA in 1974, IRAs and 401ks are treated as 501 trusts, just like charities, even though they don't have an exempt purpose, right? Their purpose is to help you save for retirement. Technically, the unrelated business taxable income rules apply to IRAs and 401ks, just as they do as charities. So the way they are triggered are essentially threefold, okay? Number one, if you use margin or a loan to buy stocks. So if your IRA or 401k uses margin, basically you get a loan from your brokerage to buy more equities or do more investments, that is considered leverage and that would be subject to the unrelated business taxable income rules. Uh, the highest tax rate for UBIT is the trust tax rates, which can go as high as 37%. So it's pretty significant stuff. Um, and that's why I'm talking about it because it could really turn a very tax efficient investment into a tax inefficient or tax nightmare scenario. Now, before I get into the rules, just know for 95% of all retirement investors, UBIT rules aren't relevant. Why? Because you'll see, unless you're doing these three types of investments, you're not going to have to deal with UBIT. So again, number one, use margin to buy stock. Uh, an IRA or 401k. Number two, if you are a IRA that uses leverage, a loan to buy real estate, a portion of the income associated with the leverage could be subject to UBIT. Now, when I say IRAs, 
there's an exemption under 514C9 for 401Ks. Therefore, a 401K can use a non-recourse loan to buy real estate without triggering UBIT. A couple of things here. Let me break it down. Non-recourse loan, I said. Why? Because 4975C does not let you personally guarantee a loan of your IRA. So that's why it's got to be non-recourse. You cannot personally guarantee it. Okay, so that's number one. Number two, I said IRA, not 401k, because there's an exemption under 514c9 if your 401k uses a non-recourse loan to buy real estate. Now, a couple of wrinkles here. Um, it can't be seller finance. So you, you got to kind of watch out about that. But otherwise, you can do it. Now, when I said there could be UBTI if your IRA uses a non-recourse loan, the could is because you're allowed to take into account your pro rata share of deduction. So depreciation, loan payment expenses, and other related expenses associated with that underlying property. If your leverage was, let's say, 50%, then you would get 50% of the unrelated or expenses associated with that loan. So that's why you may not have UBIT, right? A lot of real estate projects don't spin off profit in the first several years because of all the depreciation and expenses. One other thing. The UBIT tax, which is reported on 990T, the IRS form 990T, you only have to report it if you have more than $1,000 of net income. So if you have less than 1000 bucks, don't have to report it. Now, if you have losses, you also may want to file the 990T to lock in those losses so you can use them to offset for future years of income. So in some real estate situations, the UBIT is not as bad as it seems because of the fact that the project is not going to spit out a lot of net profits. The problem is, is if the loan is outstanding within 12 months of the sale of the asset, the UBIT kicks in on the capital gain sale. So that means, let's say you have $100,000 in your IRA, you borrow $100,000 from a bank or a non-recourse lender. And if you're a client of IRA Financial, let us know. We have probably five, six really good non-recourse lenders we work with. Generally, you have to put down 35 to 40%, um, probably pay a little bit more in points because the lender is taking more risk than usual, but at least you're going to be able to use leverage. And if, it, and if you can use it in a solo 401k, all the better because you're not going to pay that UBIT tax, which for real estate investors is amazing because all good real estate investors want to use other people's money. So that's always a uh, you know, pretty attractive option. Um, so just getting back to um, the, um, the UBIT, the 990T, that's where you file it for a um, $1,000 or more of net income. But getting to that example, if you put 100 grand in, 100 grand loans, you got a 50-50 debt to equity ratio. Okay, and let's say it's a 10-year loan and you're paying it off over time and you sell the property in six years and there's still 50,000 bucks of, of leverage attached to it. A percentage of that gain, even though it's a capital gain, is going to be subject to the UBIT tax because that leverage or that loan is still outstanding within 12 months of sale. So just be careful. Now, one strategy a lot of my clients use is they'll try to zero out all the income. So let's say they have an extra $20,000 in net income on the deal. They're going to take all that money and pay the loan off. This way you pay the loan off quicker so you can get to the point where you have no leverage. And then when you want to sell the asset, you don't have to worry about UBIT. So again, marginal by stock, IRAs, 401ks, non-recourse loan to buy real estate, 
in an IRA, there's an exemption for 401ks. Thirdly, this is the probably the most common approach that is probably the least understood, is if you use an IRA or a 401k to invest in an active trader business, like a restaurant, that's operated through a pass-through entity, like an LLC, $1,000 or more of the income allocated to you would be subject to UBIT. So let's, again, break that down into a few segments. Number one, I said IRA and 401k, so it applies to both. Number two, I said pass-through entity. Pass-through entity is an LLC or partnership. It's not a corp. Think of a corp as a big box. It boxes in all the income, the corp, there's a corporate level tax. So the corporation pays its tax. And then there's a shareholder level tax. So then the shareholder would pay tax on the dividends um, that's passed through or allocated by the corporation. Because a pass-through entity like an LLC does not have a entity level tax, this UBIT unfortunately applies. So if you're gonna be investing in private businesses, that's an LLC. Whether it's direct, your IRA or 401k, whether it's through a venture capital firm, private equity firm, ask. Ask the question, because in some cases you're not going to know, right? If you invest in a venture capital firm that maybe has a $200 million fund and may do 25, 30 portfolio company investments, you may never know. So how are you supposed to know there's UBIT? The only way is really through the K-1. So anytime an investor invests in a partnership, an LLC with more than one owner, you're going to get a K-1. And then on the K-1, there's a box that will tell you if there's UBIT. It's usually coded, but if you are not notified that there's UBIT, there's really nothing your IRA or 401k can do to report it on a 990T. And that's why a lot of times it goes unreported because the investor, the IRA or 401k, has no idea if there's UBIT. And even if he or she thinks there is UBIT, impossible to calculate it because the, the general partner of the fund would have all the info. Now, if you're investing directly, your IRA owns 20% of a restaurant and you get a K-1 and it's all business income, you're going to know it's UBIT, right? And that leads me to the overall scope of this. Now, a couple of things to keep in mind. If your IRA or 401k invests in any of the following categories, you're generally not going to have UBIT. Dividends, royalties, rental income, so assuming there's no leverage, interest, capital gains, right? Assuming no leverage. So that's why if you buy Tesla or you own a mutual fund or ETF, you are never going to deal with UBIT. Okay, so you can kind of just turn the podcast off. Now, if all you do is buy stocks, mutual funds, ETFs, or fixed income bonds, UBIT is not going to kick it. I promise. Now, if you buy real estate with no leverage, no UBIT. Okay. What happens if your real estate rises to a level of a trader business, right? You're going to buy 40 homes. Hey, as I mentioned, business income triggers UBIT. Now, if that real estate project is operated through a pass-through entity, like an LLC, UBIT could kick in. So just to consider, if you're thinking about this from the, I guess, the sky and just coming down and looking at this, first thing I would do is, what are you doing, right? That's what I usually ask clients. What, what are you investing in? Okay, I'm going to be doing real estate. Leverage? No. Is it a real estate business? Uh, I'm going to own one or two homes. Nah, probably not a business, right? Real estate, there is some gray as to whether it's a business. In most other industries, there's no gray. You own a restaurant, it's a business. You own a hotel, it's a business. Storage facilities are businesses. 
um, you own a, um, a store, it's a business, right? It's usually black or white. Real estate, there's gray because we know millions of Americans have passive real estate. I do. And we know millions of Americans have active real estate where they treat it as a business, whether they do it through an S-Corp, an LLC, C-Corp, it's a business. So there are facts and circumstances to determine for real estate whether your activity rises to a business and would be subject to UBIT. There's a case, um, Adams, which is a pretty important case. It does apply to charities and to determine whether the charity is engaged in a business, but you can apply those factors to IRAs or 401ks. And there are a couple of elements they looked at. Number one is the intent. Is your intent to run a business? Yeah. In an IRA or 401k, hard to show intent. Frequency, important. Are you doing 20 of these in a year? Two, seven, eight. The bigger the number, the higher the chance that it's UBIT. What's the level of improvement? Are you buying a house and just flipping the paper? Or are you putting in a pool, doing landscaping, um, building an extension? What are you doing? Your scope, how quickly are you doing this stuff? Are you flipping the home a day later, buying a new home? Or is this an overall strategy? Are you flipping the home, taking the cash, buying stocks, buying bonds, six months buying another home, right? So those are the core factors. The court, at least in Adams, looked at to determine whether this organization had a business versus a passive investment, right? So again, if you're going to take anything out of this, if your IRA or 401k is just doing equities, you don't have to worry about UBIT. UBIT will kick in, margin by stocks, non-recourse loan to buy real estate for an IRA, exemption for 401k, or if your IRA or 401k invests in an active trader business, could be real estate, could be a store, a restaurant, and there's more than $1,000 in net income. Now, if your business is boxed in, if it's a C-corp, it will box in and there's no UBIT. That's why when you buy Tesla or Apple stock, you don't have to worry about UBIT. Now, a couple of ways to navigate this. How do you get around UBIT? Well, you can set up a C-corp for your business and block it, but a C-corp has a 21% tax rate plus any state-related taxes. So you're still going to pay some taxes, but probably less than 37%. That's one way. You can also turn your equity investment into debt. So instead of buying the interest, you could just lend the company the money. So you get a stated rate of return. As I mentioned, interest is not subject to tax, uh, the UBIT tax, but obviously your upside's limited because um, a loan's a loan, right? You get a stated rate of return. Um, and then the other way is don't do it, right? Uh, you cannot. You can decide to use personal funds. Now, the other way on a real estate deal is zero out the income. So harder on a business, right? Because it's passive. You're just allocated income. Um, yeah, if you know the business owner, you can say, hey, you know, prepay expenses or do other things to zero out the income, but a lot harder. Real estate, you have a little bit more control. Pay them, pay off more of the mortgage, right? You have a non-recourse loan, pay it off more. Zero out your income. So at the end of the year, on 1231, you got zero, zero, zero net income, thus no UBIT, or at least under a thousand bucks. So otherwise, dividends, royalties, rental income, assuming no leverage, capital gains, assuming no leverage, interest, no UBIT. Generally only on business income, non-recourse leverage and IRA or margin. Otherwise, don't have to worry about UBIT. But if you are doing alts, it's important to remember it. Even mining cryptos, mining cryptos could trigger UBIT if your mining activity rises to a trader business. What does that mean? I don't know. Notice 2014-21 has a Q&A on mining and business income, doesn't give any examples. 
So again, it's facts and circumstances. Do you have 45 computers mining Bitcoin or is it one or two and you're just doing this passively along with buying stocks or buying real estate? It's part of your overall investment strategy. In that case, it's probably not a business. But if that's all you're doing and you rented a warehouse out and you have 200 computers in the mountain somewhere, probably a business. Um, if you're investing through a investment fund, the K1 will tell you whether it's a business or not in most cases. So that's probably your easiest way of identifying whether your investment rises to a trader business and thus is subject to you. Um, but otherwise, I hope you guys found this podcast um, useful. This is a really important topic. Uh, I probably would say this is the most common question I get from clients um, and, and also just potential clients who are usually baffled by it when we our experts and our team talk to our potential clients. Generally, when someone calls in and wants to set up an IRA or 401k, we don't just say, okay, do it. If they have questions, we explain to them, these are the rules. You got to think about private transactions. You got to think about UBIT. And then they hear UBIT, they're like, well, what's that? I understand the prohibitive transaction rules. I know I can't buy a house and live in it or have my kids just take my IRA money, but UBIT, what, what is this for word, letter word? So that's when we go explain to them how it can kick in. And in some cases, the, the client you know, restructures the deal. If they're self-employed, they'll do a solo K to get around the leverage on tax on the real estate. Sometimes they use a C-Corp blocker. And in some cases, they'll just use personal funds to do the um, crowdfunding investment, for example, into a startup that's a pass-through. Say it's a $25,000 investment. They could scrap together the money with personal funds. It's not going to be subject to UBIT. They can just pay capital gains. They'll save their IRA money from for another investment. So just something to consider. Um, knowledge is power. And I uh, hope you guys found um, today's podcast uh, at least useful and hopefully learned something. So thanks for uh, spending some time with me. Really appreciate it. Uh, have a great day and a great rest of your week. Take care.